Balotelli. Aguero! Lewandowski goes through it again. Oh, he just can't do it. You just cannot be that good. That is an amazing goal. I think he scored a goal every time he's had a shot. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the 50 Plus One Football Podcast, your home for all things Bundesliga and Premier League. My name is Billy, and we have a host of topics for you this week. But with me, as always, is the Luis Suarez to my Lionel Messi, Luis. Definitely. As you've just said, host of topics for today, mainly the Premier League, because as we have the coronavirus schedule, we are always getting a ton of matches between recording. So we've got a lot of match days. We're going to be looking at some of the last ones from match day 34, the whole of match day 35, and the first couple from match day 36. And then we're going to have a lengthy talk about VAR because that's something we haven't done before. And I think some of us have some things to get off their chest. And by some of us, I mean Billy. Anyways, it should be a good one. Should be a good one. I've calmed down since the other day. Mm-hmm. We'll see about that in about uh, in a few minutes. But let's get into the Premier League. Um, before we start with the Premier League, I just wanted to say something. I, a lot of people have probably seen that Clive Tildesley has been essentially demoted from main commentator for ITV Sport. And a couple of people asked me if I was going to talk about it today. I've decided not to say anything at length, but because you know, I'm sure Sam Matterface will do a great job. But to lose Clive Tilsley on England games, it's the voice of my footballing generation, essentially. You know, the summer of 2018, England's success at the World Cup, the soundtrack to that was Clive Tilsley's commentary, you know, and obviously, and Solskjaer has won it. That was Clive as well. But, you know, whatever he does and whoever he works for next, I'm sure he'll do great stuff. And he's not I left mean, ITV completely. So I look forward to working with him again. I mean, I try not to remember the, uh, and Skullshire has won it. But I think that even, even if you're growing up not living in the UK, um, you know, f- his voice on FIFA is unmistakable. So if you've played FIFA at all, that is, uh, you should be, you sh- that should be a little bit of a, I think it would be a little bit of a gut punch. It was at least for me to... Oh, you've committed the cardinal sin. Which is... You've mixed up Clive Clive Tildesley and Martin Tyler. No, no. Because I know know Martin Tyler is is the main voice on FIFA, but I have also had... Oh, have you had the older ones as well? Oh, I've had the older ones as well. Exactly. So don't get me wrong. I'm not confusing (laughs) two commentating greats, which would be a cardinal sin. But uh, if you have played FIFA, you will definitely recognize them. That's one of the nice things on on the on the English version of the FIFA is that you have multiple commentators. You've got, um, I mean, I still use, I I still remember the uh, the ones with Andy Gray on them, which was uh, <laughs> it was great to hear him until you know the alleged scandal. We don't talk about that. 
I mean, I say alleged. I'm pretty sure it was actually proven, wasn't it? Oh, God, definitely. That man will never work again. Okay, exactly. I'm pretty sure that, no. So, scratch alleged. Definitely confirmed. Moving anyway. past scandal pending. Anyways, let's actually get into the Premier League after Billy kind of stepped on my point. Apologies. <laughs> nah, it's all good. Clive Tilsley. Clive Tilsley. Very, very, so much respect for that man. Big commentating, great. The Premier League match day 34, we kind of didn't, or we, at the time of the last recording, we didn't get to, there had still been a couple of matches left out. I think the biggest one left from 34, arguably Tottenham's draw with Bournemouth. Probably just because Bournemouth needed the points. Well... I don't want to talk about the VAR controversy in that one just yet, but there was some. We'll get to that. It was a massive point for Bournemouth, who yeah. in match week 34 did something unbelievable. You know, they put four goals past Leicester, two of which from Dominic Solanke, who's never scored for Bournemouth before. It, I mean, had anyone bet on that? That would have been that would have been you know that would have been similar to betting on Leicester to win the title. I mean, the odds of Bournemouth putting four past Leicester were must have been astronomical. I think I'd, you watch it and you don't know what happened. Like Leicester just Leicester finished imploded. with ten men. <laughs> they finished with ten men. <laughs> what yeah, tag last aren't you getting sent off wasn't ideal, but you know Bournemouth are down there for a reason. You think you'd have enough to handle. It just goes to show that the Premier League, even with the you know one horse title race this season or the last two seasons, um, you know, still has that bit of magic where you can have a team bottom of the table beating a team second in the league. It was, it was mad, and you know we spoke last week. You know, Christian Benteke scored for the first time in God knows how long. And then kind Dominic, of a rebirth. <laughs> and then Dominic Solanke goes and scores his first two for Bournemouth in like two two years nearly. Yeah, he's got a he, we've almost got a rebirth of uh of the of the former scoring greats. Although I wouldn't go as far to say as far as to say that Christian Benteke and Dominic Solanke were the scoring greats. Oh, they just know, that, have had that twelve thirteen season he Christian Benteke had for Aston Villa. Yeah, but I mean that's Seven to eight years ago, you know. It's, yeah, maybe it's, it's time, time to move on from that. I was about to say. I was about to say you can you can look back on that in your career, but you know what's he done afterwards? Moving on, North London derby, not really with the same you know glamour as it's had in previous seasons. Given both teams less than average performances this season, really, if you look at their performances on the whole. I know they're still in, you know, the top half of the table and they're, you know, they're not far off um, Europa League, but I mean, come on. Two, yeah, but teams Tottenham like and Tottenham exactly. and Arsenal shouldn't be... They shouldn't, they shouldn't be near Europa League. They should be getting Europa League near Champions League at least. And that's going off of their recent form in previous seasons. These are two teams that used to be fighting for Champions League year in, year out. And this but, season is just... Well, you think under, under Arsene Wenger, they never finished outside the top four? You know, everyone wants been, him out. Yeah, everyone wants him out. It's been a slow man. decline. And you can't, you know, they haven't been good and Leicester have been better. 
Oh yeah, I mean, clearly the table even <laughs> table doesn't lie. I mean, whether um, whether Leicester finish in that top four, I mean to see. Do you know what? I, w- I really do wish it, do wish for them to, to complete that top four finish because so many people were saying, you know, oh, what a great season Leicester had. And now it's going to go back to normality. And I think it's great that they're managing to, you know, stay up in the top half of the table and fight for European football is, um, just after having that unbelievable Premier League winning season. And I mean, the following season, they even made it to the quarterfinals of the Champions League, which I know, that was good. That was the mad thing, playing Atletico yeah. Madrid or something like that. <laughs> At King Power Stadium. <laughs> but they didn't have a great restart period. No, they didn't. And they stuttered a little bit. and. I mean, that being said, unbelievable that they are still at, uh, or they're still in the top four. Yeah, well, that's because United seemed to have some sort of weird mental block where if Chelsea or the top four rival drop points just failed to capitalize it happened last season and we finished fifth well what a nice little segue into united drawing 2-2 with southampton and getting the equalizer very late on can we just appreciate that one thing that i sent you where harry maguire is instead of marking anyone Anyone from Southampton, he's marking Paul Pogba. Wambasaka. Oh, one, oh, sorry, Wambasaka in the in the photo. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was. I think that just says it all. Sickening. <laughs> Jesus, I, I mean, I think it didn't that... help. We had ten men because we used our three designated sub periods. So when Brandon Williams split his head open, we couldn't bring on a replacement. We'd only use four subs. Quick question: Didn't I mean, this is at least my understanding, was that uh, the the Premier League would also take on the five-substitute rule because the Bundesliga took on five substitutes with the coronavirus restart. Yeah, we've got five substitutes, but you've only got three chances to bring them on. I'm sorry, what? So I, Yeah, I don't know. It's to stop people using, like, you know, if you're, like, one nil up. Oh, um, so you basically, in, you in have like to the make... the 90th a, minute, you make one sub. then the You have to make back, a double substitution. Yeah, you have to bring on multiples. You have to, you know, or you could do what we did. Who was it? Was it against? I think it might have been against Sheffield United. We brought on all five at once. So, solid work by uh, by the manager there, by the big OGS. I mean, he, he's done incredibly well to get us playing. And, you know, the hype. And people are oh, 18 games on beating or something like that. And it's like, well, we started fifth. We're still fifth. <laughs> because they might be games unbeaten. But they, you want those games to be wins. Exactly. And, and Southampton really at home, help. no disrespect to Southampton, who've been great since they got battered 9-0. But we should be killing that game off. You really but, should. You know, Michael Oberfemi scoring in the 97th minute should not make a blind bit of difference. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is one of those things that, you know, do Man United have that kind of... They, they love to they love to jump on this bandwagon in Germany. It's uh it's the mentality question in the squad. Do do United just not have the mentality to see that through, or are they just you know? Well, I you would you would hate you would hate to think that you know United are almost taking on the uh, the Tottenham mantle of bottling the uh, the sure wins or the or when they're on track 
to making. Yeah. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see what happens Thursday night against Crystal Palace because not only did they lose to Aston Villa, which is massive That's... for Villa in itself. Yeah, with but... their, with their uh, relegation battle down there. Yeah. Exactly. But since Chelsea beat Norwich on Monday night, you know, is that mental block not going to be there? Are we going to go out and put five past Palace? I mean, it is capable of doing at the moment. Definitely. And this is a game where, you know, should be going into it. And everyone, I think the the English press, especially will be saying, if you don't take home the three points, it would be a massive, massive upset. Given that was the same. The only saving grace I can think of is we're level on points with Leicester and we have Leicester last game of the season. If we can, Oh, there's a good case scenario maintain, you know, within two points of Leicester. There are some massive matches in the last game of the season because it's not only United versus Leicester, it's Chelsea versus Wolves, if, I, uh, if I've if i got my facts straight. Yeah, it is, but Wolves have... They're four points behind United and Leicester. Oh, I still wouldn't knock them because, you know, that's three matches. That's nine points. But... Still more than doable. Chelsea, their last two games are Liverpool away and Wolves at home. Leicester's games are... They've got Sheffield United, Tottenham, and us. Sheffield United would be a difficult. I was about to say, I I wouldn't rule out any of those three matches being difficult because all three of those teams are within the top 10. And United have Palace, West Ham, and Leicester. Looking at the table, can we just appreciate the fact that I, at the beginning of the restart, said that Southampton would definitely have to watch their back and make sure that they don't drop into the relegation zone and now they're 12th. See, that's the thing. They, they've been on this ridiculous run. They've beaten City. They've scabbed a point off of us in the 97th minute. They take home points where, the, where it's not expected of them because I didn't have them. I did not peg them to finish, you know, over, above Newcastle. No, but then they'll go and lose to Arsenal and draw with Everton, which is yeah. another game that had VAR controversy in it. There's a theme we, flowing through the middle of this episode. We, we, we're, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> the relegation battle is turning out to be a lot tighter than expected. I mean, obviously, Norwich dropping off and already being confirmed as relegated to the championship. We both agreed, I think, that that, would be, that was going to be the most likely course of action. Yeah, but West Ham have done well to claw themselves away at least a little bit, given they're only three points above Bournemouth. But they've they've gotten some good results in the in the past couple of matches. Well, beating Norwich four 0 I spoke to Bill Overall. Yeah, you know, happy with that. You know, you're going to moan <laughs> about that. He was like, "Well, it's Norwich. It's, there's no clout at all." Yeah, but it's not about the clout. It's literally at this point you don't want to. At this point, this is just purely points, uh, a points-based thing. It's a points-based uh, game at the minute um, for for West Ham. I don't think he can be expecting, you know, something where you know you want to get major clout or after a match or something like that. Because at this point, you're just going to be happy that you get three points. Doesn't matter if you do it with a one-nil win over Crystal Palace or if you do it with a four-nil win over over Manchester City. So it's a it's a bit moaning of him to say that, oh, that's not, it's not really big cloud. It's Norwich, isn't it? It's like, bro, take the four points and, I mean, the, the four goal, four plus, plus four goal difference is what I meant to say. Take the plus four goal difference and the three points and, you know, be happy with that because at this point, they're above Watford on goal difference. 
Well, it's interesting though. Friday night is West Ham Watford, and if oh. that game, if that game's a draw, they're both up. So you know, does do you know? Yeah. Do you, do you go for it or do you? Well, also given that you know, we're assuming that Bournemouth don't. Although oh, true, well, no, yeah. If, yeah. Well, no, because if they if they draw and Bournemouth Bournemouth do manage to secure a win, that definitely does not secure them. Oh no, I think that might have been before the. Uh, I don't think anyone. Yeah, I think it might have been before Bournemouth uh, Leicester. Yeah. Given yeah, because they're only three got, points behind them now. Yeah, because Bournemouth also do have Manchester City playing tonight. Well, you seven. never know, do you? Yeah, true. I mean, everyone had uh, a City win over Mouthampton. Mouthampton? Jesus. We can tell we're recording in the morning. They had a Southampton. They always had a Manchester City win pegged over Southampton. And I think, you know, maybe maybe Bournemouth have got one more one more upset in them. That was like some really shit, like football manager or Pez team from the early noughties. Like Man Red and London White. Yeah. Ma- Mouthampton. Mouthampton. I think we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna keep that trend going. It's a good one. I think the the only other match I can really think to mention: Sheffield United, oh. Chelsea. Uh, gives gives a whole new meaning to Chelsea's new spot, new shirt sponsor, doesn't it? Oh, it's been amazing. They the the jokes write themselves. Exactly. It's it's not even yeah. You don't even have to try. You really don't. Like West Ham put three past them, which was funny enough. But I, I don't know what's going on at Chelsea, and I don't know what like Frank Lampard's the... done incredibly well. But I'd say that's also brought... a little bit of a mentality thing, or, or I'd in, say experience. He's brought in Hakim Ziyech and Timo Werner. But unless they get, and I was trying to think about this last night, unless they bring in a new back foreign goalkeeper, it's just going to be more of the same. Yeah, I think because you know you can't out you you know you you, you can go around with the mentality if you score three, we'll score four. But if you yeah, come but up defense with wins team, titles. Exactly. If you, titles. if you come up against a team with a you know a competent defense like Liverpool, then you know they'll absolutely take you to the cleaners. Yeah, I was I was talking um I was talking to Louis about this yesterday because he was saying, would you sign Kai Havertz knowing the price tag he's got when you so badly need to invest money in your back four? See, I think the players that Chelsea have got, I think they can deal with not having Kai Havertz and pumping that money into some much needed reinforcement because he bought Antonio Rudiger on to shore up the defence and he gave away a goal. <laughs> I mean, g- given Rudiger, he might have some some wobbles here and there, but I'd say he's probably the, one of the most solid defenders Chelsea have got at the minute, which well, I, in and I of itself... Know, I don't know whether Tomori's injured or, or what, but so they played Andres Christensen and Kurt Zuma at centre-back. I mean, as Piliqueta, it has been great for them. But Kurt Zuma is almost going, going through kind of a rebirth at Chelsea after his loan spell. Yeah, he's, try, he's been uh, last know, he's season to, on loan at Everton. Exactly. And he's, and he's kind of, you know, this season he's been trying to find his way back into the team. So I, I don't okay, think you may, can expect maybe, him to be solid. Maybe an entire back for is a bit it's a harsh bit, of me to say because Reese James um, will be yeah but one I'd say player. one center one center back definitely because Andreas Christensen I think he left um or he went back to Chelsea after loan too quickly because he was at the time he was 21 he just had one good season with Mönchengladbach in the Bundesliga and he he did pretty well there for a 21 year old but it wasn't unreal but and then Chelsea recalled him and ever since then, I think he's been a bit of a liability in that Chelsea back line. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's a weird one. Yeah, it really is. And 
I don't really know why. I can't put my finger on what's good because you know they've got the players there to be to be great, really. Whether they it should is, be like, securing said, Champions League football, you know. They were lucky against Palace. And the last you know, ten minutes, Palace battered them. And just beating Norwich one 0 yesterday. Yeah, exactly. That was it Olivier was a, Giroud a, being exactly a, again a close one. But looking at, I know they're losing Willian and they're losing Pedro. Yeah, but they've got. But they're bringing uh, in Timo Werner. Yeah, they, they're, ha- they're compensating those. I'd say they're com- more than compensating those two because I'm not on as about much the compensating, as... but it's Frank Lampard going to play a four-two-four. Like, how I mean, are you? I... How are you accommodating these players? Is Tammy Abraham going to be tossed to one side? Mason Mount just going to be thanks for being great when we couldn't buy anyone. But uh, see ya. It's gonna be. I'd say there's gonna be a very, very. It's it's gonna get ugly with the with players vying for positions next season because that I is. Think... You've got a lot of players who are all meant for that attacking role, and not a lot of them meant for the more center central midfield role. Next season, Chelsea will be very good going forward. But you're gonna yeah, fancy no. you're gonna fancy yourself to get at least two chances, maybe more. Yeah. But uh, you know, if you were a Chelsea fan, you'd be hoping you you were buying players with the right mentality to go okay there are these pl- other players in my position you know Tammy Abraham are oh, we bought another center forward okay I have to do better than Timo Werner to get in the team oh, which is obviously big is difficult, but in training and when you do get you know take the chances that you get, get grasp the opportunities that are given to you mm. and you know make it difficult for Frank Lampard you know I, I don't want to keep bringing it back to United but it's the my only point of reference really you know for, first game after the restart Dan James starts on the right wing against Tottenham and Pogba starts on the bench because Fred started Fred comes off Dan James comes off Mason Greenwood and Paul Pogba come on and completely change the way we play and up until That's we played depth. South up until we played Southampton made it impossible for Solskjaer not to pick either of them yeah I, I mean in that regard football as We've said many times is a very, very fast-paced industry, and things can change within you know a week. I mean, so you, it, you never know. Next season, exactly. if they buy if they buy one centre back, say uh, say they buy Kudabali, you know, Kurtzuma could just it could just click for him. Say, okay, I've got someone this experienced next to me, this good next to me. If I do make a mistake, I'm fine. You know, there's no panic, there's no anxiety on the ball. Think Joel Matip or Joe Gomez or even um, th- Dan think, Lovren at Liverpool. Th- with, think uh, Van Dyke. Yeah, well I mean Think also Jerome Boateng, who basically went through a complete rebirth under Han- Hansi Flick, and also alongside because alongside him he had David Alaba, who was basically the most solid centre back, and that was and the, this is a season where we're talking about Bayern having just spent eighty million euros on Lucas Hernandez. Yeah, it's not really worked for him at the moment, is it? Oh yeah, no. He's 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 definitely he's definitely chasing the form that he had during the World Cup as well. Something that is uh, his fellow Frenchman Benjamin Pavard definitely didn't do this season. He was uh, very solid and definitely showed why Bayern paid the money they did for him. Oh, I still remember, was it Mainz? The game that we watched where you went 1-0. I mean, you won like 6-1 or something like that. But you we went 1-0 one, one down because went they 1-0 down. Oh. oh my God. Your dad I, terrified me. <laughs> It was because it was because it was the beginning of the season, and I, I with a lot, along with a lot of others, had doubts about Pavard because he had just come off that season where he'd been relegated with Stuttgart, and then we're paying thirty-five mil for him just because he had a good World Cup and whatnot. I was going to say you've got to be wary when you're buying a relegated centre back. Yeah, 
but I mean, it's worked out in that regard. And I'd say he's definitely done, done miles better than, you know, our star signing. So but then again, you know, star signing, I should say now. Is that a pressure thing? Because, oh, oh, okay. They signed me for 35 million, but it's okay. Lucas Hernandez has been signed I mean, for, for 80. Exactly. That's so I think all the pressure off me. Yeah. <laughs> no one in the media is writing about the 35 million euro flop. I was about to say, no one's going to care about, no one's going to care what the only time though they would care about, um, about Pava is if he, if he does well, because if he doesn't do well, well, He's not in the crosshairs for the media. That's all on the 80 million man. But I think we've talked at length about the Premier League as of now. Yeah, and, and it'll be interesting to, to see what, what Louis says. Yes, definitely. And it'll be interesting to see what happens with you know with Chelsea, to be honest. Because, yeah, they're bringing in these two great attacking players. Well, I'd say what we should... Uh, don't, count your, don't count your chickens before they've hatched. Um, let's see what Chelsea does throughout the transfer period you know what they what they do in the fa cup we'll which see i what, really uh... hope is not a lot <laughs> of course naturally but what? let's move moving on from the premier league talk we'll go to your favorite topic of discussion the good old var the video assistant referee the newest uh the newest technological fuck-ups Ah, my favorite thing to bitch about. (laughs) There you go. Well, seeing as you've been so eager to bitch about this, why don't you get us get the ball rolling on uh, on our good friend of on our good friend the VAR? Okay, I'll try not to get too worked up because I don't want my blood pressure to be through the roof. Definitely not at eight fifty in the morning. (laughs) Definitely not. I could do without an aneurysm at eight fifty in the morning. But the technology brought in to make the game better is, um, well, it's only making it worse, really. So within the last week, and, you know, these are mistakes confirmed by the Premier League. Like, oh, yeah, hands up. They were wrong. So Bruno Fernandez's penalty against Aston Villa, which at the time I was adamant was a penalty. It wasn't a penalty. I went freaking flying, bro. Well, it's not it's not just that, it's the fact that he, he essentially plays for it. So he he stops the ball and he spins into Esri Concer. If anything, then, he's fouled Concer. Yeah, and then he and then he's you know, he lifts off like a freaking jet plane just yes we've all seen the pictures i still think the best the best uh the best video to come out of that was the was the one of uh bruno fernandez on fifa just doing a doing oh, some the goal dive celebration. Bomb. Yeah, yeah. The, the dive bomb goal celebration it was like anyone anytime bruno fernandez is touched inside the penalty area that's fine they're just jealous of him that's fine but VAR had a good long look at that. and That's the thing as well. They've oh, had a nothing, long look. Yeah, they had a good seven or eight looks at that and nothing wrong with it. Southampton against Everton. Okay, the ball's played into James Ward-Prowse who just, like, it's like his legs were just stopped working. No one <laughs> touches him. He falls into the defender. Okay? He fall, like, not he falls because of the defender. He falls into the into. defender. That must be a penalty. Again, VAR had a good long look at it. Yeah, I see nothing wrong with a player falling into a defender. Okay, but here's here's the thing, because I'm what I'm getting from this, and correct me if I'm wrong, but what I'm getting from this is that VAR in England is working differently than it is in Germany. Because in Germany, when you've got VAR, it's basically saying the referee on the pitch gets a little message into his earpiece saying, have another look at that. He'll go out, 
have a look at it and he makes a final decision. But the way you're making it sound is as if in the Premier League, the final decision basically rests with the guys in the studio, in the VAR studio, and they're basically telling the referee who's on the pitch, you've gotten that wrong. This is what it should be. Make this call. Is yeah, that a fair assessment? Much. Pretty much, yeah. And it's wrong. Because, yeah, because the, it, first well, time, at, the first time look, someone in England used one of the screens, Mike, Michael Oliver used the screen in an FA Cup game uh, midway through the season. Everyone's like, oh my God, he's used the screen. It's like, that's what it's there for. Yeah, that's the thing, because if you, look at, if you look at what we've had in the Bundesliga, the Bundesliga has definitely not had those major mistakes with VAR, given there have definitely been some mistakes where you're like, Whoo. but, you know, coming to mind right off the top of my head, Boateng falling into Haaland's shot against Dortmund, possibly a penalty. We'll ignore that. Um, but it's but it's the one of those things, you know, that it's those little controversies where I think VR has definitely worked a lot better in Germany than it has done in the UK. And I don't understand why in the UK they're changing it, especially I'll, I'll when you, Germany has done it why. first. I'll tell you why and it's not worked it in worked. England. It's not worked in England because the officiating in the Premier League is absolutely appalling. <laughs> this is the best league in the world. And we can have that debate another week. But this is the best I'm league conceded. in the world, right? With the worst officials going. Is this and the only? Is this the main reason why the Premier League is known as being the most physical league? Is because the officiating is just so poor that the referees just let so much more slide? Is this yeah, the you, whole? You can get rid of. Is, you can get away with so much, which is why when teams you go and play in the Champions League. Wow. You know, you come up against a referee from Germany or from Turkey or from Italy. You so much as touch the fiber on someone's shirt, free kick, which is what frustrates a lot of English teams. But this is, but this is actually, this is, these are revelations because this is destroying my whole uh, image of the Premier League just being such a hardcore league because the officials, you know, they're just like, oh yeah, we know that this is the way the game should be played. But no, it's the officials just being so bad that they just let so much slide. This is actually there is an element mind blowing. There is an element of yeah, that's how the game's played. But some calls that you'd get in Germany or the Champions League, you wouldn't get in the Premier League. Yeah, definitely. Okay, for example, I'm going to use another VAR. This didn't even go to review. So United Southampton, Oriel Romeu tackles Mason Greenwood. Okay, gets nowhere near the ball. Oh, that was a disgusting challenge. Nowhere near that. I sent you the picture. Yeah. Ball's not even in frame. <laughs> it's ankle high and bends his ankle the wrong way. A way an ankle shouldn't bend, basically. I mean, that is literally asking for injury. Nothing. Not even to review. See, that's the thing as well, because in, VAR, because in Germany, there have definitely been instances of VAR where, the, where a guy's gotten booked and then the studio will say, mm, have another look at that because we believe that, that warrants more than just a booking. That warrants a sending off. And the referee, the referee will look at that. But at that moment in time, it is still his, like, it is his final decision that matters. It's not someone in the studio making the decision. It is the final decision of the guy on the pitch that matters. And he makes that, this, that final decision, which I think is so much better. And also one of the reasons why VAR has worked relatively well in Germany up till now. They've actually, um, they, they even made a table of all the Bundesliga teams and where they would be with and without VAR. And basically the points that have been taken away from them with and without VAR. And actually the discrepancy was that Fortuna Dusseldorf without VAR would have been 13th and not 17th. So, you know, safe mid-table. 
But other than that, the places or the placing was relatively accurate. Um, one funny correlation, or I'd say, I say funny because I'm a Bayern fan. It doesn't really affect Bayern that much. But one correlation was at the top half of the table had very, very little, or there were very little changes in places, whereas the bottom half had major discrepancies in regards to where teams actually finish and where they would have finished without VAR. So it's It'd be a, interesting to see the Premier League with that as well. Because, yeah. you know, United do get a lot of penalties from VAR. I think we've had 13 this season. That's a ridiculous tally. I don't think... It's the joint highest in a season. What, like, at, in, in the history of the Prem? Yeah, I think the, the only other one was Leicester the year they won the league. Wow. Well, see, there you go. It's, but then it again, is one of those things. It, it frustrates the hell out of me because you look at it and you're like, there's no way. So, for example, Villa v Palace. Seventh yeah. minute, Palace have a corner. It's whipped in and it goes it goes in off the, the back of Mamadou Sako. Okay? Mm. It's like the, the top of his of his back, the, almost the back of his shoulder. Yeah. Goes to review. Oh, well... Uh, <laughs> Some jobs worth sat in a van. Oh, well, uh, <laughs> technically, oh, that's a handball. No, it's not a handball. I, I would, oh, it's really frustrating, but I would love to talk to a referee. I just, I would like to understand why. And, and the worst thing is you can't say anything as a player or a manager, which is why yeah, I've got a lot of respect for Andy Robertson after, the, after Liverpool drew with Burnley. Full time, he has a full-blown go at the lino because he was so bad. It's like you didn't see anything apart from when he got booked at the end. What's the point in having you there if you can't see anything? That's, it, that, that's the thing as well. And I mean, I'd say people will complain about the officiating in matches worldwide. But these these instances, they seem to happen in the Premier League a little bit more often than I feel like they have in the Bundesliga. Because in the Bundesliga, we used to have, I mean, I think its height reached... The, or the height was reached around 2015 where we had that phantom goal where Stefan Kiesling put a header on the uh, or and put a header at the side netting of Hoffenheim's goal and there was a hole in the side netting and oh, the ball just, in. yeah the ghost goal yeah the ghost goal and I think that was that was probably the height of the crap officiating in Germany and after that they were like I right, that's it goal line technology next season and we're going to see what other technologies we put in and Germany have kind of been the guinea pig where that's concerned and they've been testing that's what I mean. Like they yeah, they've been testing. didn't get VAR until you'd had it for a full season. Exactly, but that's but this is the this is the astounding thing is the fact that they changed the way VAR works in comparison to the way it does in Germany, and they changed it in the Premier League, and they've changed it for the worse. Because you would sure you would think surely if I've just seen a league tested and it's worked, I wouldn't go changing it. I would stick with what that league has done because I know it does work. I don't know. It, so it's baffling to me why they would change it and they wouldn't give the official on the pitch the last, like the last say. It baffles. It baffles me. It really does. But so, something needs to happen. Something needs to change. And you think you know rugby, it works. Tennis, cricket, it works. Why not as the FA or as the even is just the Premier League? Say okay, we're going to get. TMO ops in, which is the one for rugby. And we're going to get Haw people that use Hawkeye and all that. And we're going to get them in. And we're going to get them to teach the referees. You know, yes, you can look at it. Yes, you can review it. But you've got to understand, you're watching it at such a slow pace. And you, it's it's one of those typical things. Like a lot of referees haven't played professional football at a Premier League level or a top tier yeah, level. Even... Even even the but even the whole thing about the slow play action or the slow replay, that's something where you we like because as fans you can actually see what's going on on that little monitor that they look at. 
in the Bundesliga. And on that monitor, they get a slow motion replay and then they get a couple of fast ones as well. Why do they not, why do they have some, as you say, idiot in a van making the final decision in the Prem? It is absolutely baffling to me. Because granted, it's a referee, but that referee doesn't know the sit. You know, he's not in there with the emotion. He's exactly, not he's not in there in with there. it. I, I mean, arguably, that's probably why they want to give him the final say is because they're saying, oh, he's not, you know, in an emotional standpoint. He's gonna be, he's gonna be able to make a common level-headed decision. But if you're not in the flow of the game and you're not seeing the tackles firsthand, and you're going and you're making these final decisions where you're only seeing it on a screen. I think that that is not the way it should be because the whole point of a referee looking at the screen to maybe see if there's something he missed is because he's seen the tackle firsthand and he can just get a new perspective on it. Whereas the guy in the in the van, he's only seeing what we can see on the television. I don't know. If you're going to give the VAR ref the final decision, we might as well not have a referee on yeah. the pitch. You might, yeah, you might as well just have someone refereeing from the Hawkeye and then there being an artificial whistle because if he's going to get, if the official on the pitch is going to get overruled anyway, I mean, who, who said, it? I want to say it was Gary Neville or someone or Gary Lineker, one of the two said that basically you've got an assistant referee in the middle of the pitch, two more assistant referees on the sidelines with flags, a fourth official and the main referee sits in a van. Yeah, I completely agree with it. You know, it, it... <laughs> It needs to change. There has to be some sort of review or, you know, investigation into why it's not worked. Yeah. Because I don't think there's been one match week where there hasn't been at least one cock-up. I mean, there have been some major ones, like the like the one right after the restart, where I think it was Villa v... Ah, uh, yeah, but that was goal-line technology, though. That wasn't... True, but true. But then again, VAR can look at that. Yeah. And VAR can say, well... That, don't think so. That goalkeeper has clearly carried that ball over the line because he's hugging the wrong side of the post. <laughs> yeah, that's also what, that's also the thing. It wasn't even like just over the line. It was very over the line. Yeah, and that, that's, what, that's one of the thing, those things as well, because VAR is basically, in Germany at least, they, they keep saying, you know, VAR should only be going or be used when there is a clear, very clear, clear missed call. Yeah, that's it's the very, way. very clear the wrong call. It's not, a, it's not like a millimeter decision where it's the wrong call. It is very clearly, clearly a wrong call in my eyes. That goal line technology screw up fits the bill to hunt to a T. That's the thing that the, we constantly hear in commentary and in post-match, clear and obvious error. But some yeah. of these are so bafflingly obvious that it's wrong. Exactly, exactly my point. VAR it, gets involved and still give it's like I don't know. Why are you even there? It's frustrating me. I don't think I need to go and lie down in a darkened room. Oh boy. Well, if that's a if that's a segue to uh to to ending the to ending this week's podcast, I don't know if there's a better one. We sadly this week don't have much on the transfer news front um it's been a bit quiet over the past couple of weeks ever since the Leroy Sané transfer went through it's uh it's definitely not we we haven't had the rumor mill churning out news one day after the other this week no transfer news but as soon as something a bit more concrete hits our news boards we will definitely be able to talk to you guys about that that's all for this week Billy you're still calming down I'm calming down it's it's fine. I'm calm. 
I'm just going to listen to some like chill beats to work to type stuff and just calm down. Do, do a bit of yoga, kind of just, just find your inner zen after I you. Put, I need to put my whale noises CD on. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> on that note, that's all for this week. Keep calm. Love the beautiful game. See you guys next week.